Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. We redesigned Entree Architect Academy, our private online membership program, to better meet your needs with more options and less cost. Build a better business. Be a better architect. To learn more, visit the homepage at entrearchitect.com. Entree Architect Podcast, Episode 166. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Architects are trained to find solutions. We have a superpower that others don't have. We can see a problem and find a creative way to solve that problem. That gives us a tremendous opportunity. Architecture is a very big profession. There are many opportunities for us to lead in the built environment as traditional practitioners, but there can also be those same skills. We can use those same skills to look beyond the built environment. We could take on roles in our society in any position that requires creativity and solutions to critical problems. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, Beyond the Box, architects practicing beyond traditional practice with Katie Cripo. 
This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, FreshBooks, NCARB, BQE Software, and RCAT. FreshBooks, get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. And NCARB, helping architects reach their career goals. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash NCARB. And BQE Software, the makers of ArchiOffice, office and project management software designed specifically for architects. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash BQE. And RCAT, the leading online resource for free building product information. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. Katie Cropot, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thanks, I'm honored to thanks be here. For, thanks for <laughs> spending some time with us. Uh, Katie is an architect and a business consultant based in London. Uh, she's an advocate for and a practitioner of social impact design. And she's the founder and editor of Design Effects, which is an online platform that inspires, teaches, and connects people involved and interested in social impact design and lots of other things and sort of thinking architects thinking out of the box really is what we're yeah. we're, uh, we're focused on here um, at designeffects.com you'll see Katie's blog lots of resources uh, and an opportunity for consulting she she works one-on-one -on -one with people so if you're interested go check it out designeffects.com Katie welcome yeah thank you I uh, I want to start like we start with every episode here with a guest, I want to know your personal story. I want you to, to share your origin story. So go way back to where you discovered mm. architecture, what inspired you to become an architect, and give us that story from that point in your life to where you are today. Yeah. Um, I think probably the, the earliest memory I have of when I might have uh, started to engage with architecture, and it's kind of surprising. Um, but when I was uh, five years old, I was living in a home um, that we were moving from. And I remember um, kind of drawing the plan of my bedroom. And the reason I remember it is because we had this red orange carpet <laughs> in like hideous like 80s <laughs> uh, carpet. It was probably more like 70s color, um, red orange. And I had colored all the carpet area in the plan and it was kind of me capturing that space and how I wanted my new bedroom to be and um, it's a really I don't know it's kind of a, a bizarre thing You're to documenting the, the existing <laughs> conditions <laughs> yeah yeah it's like such a, a bizarre thing I think to do when I was that young but I think that that was me already trying to experiment with yeah. capturing space and how um, I was using it and even just what the color um, and that um, experience meant to me. So, yeah, um, so, from there. Yeah, so what, yeah. what sort of mm -hmm. that was the, your early inspiration or, or your first taste of architecture. What, what happened, what sort of inspired you to become an architect? Um, I think it's, um, there was, so uh, my parents are, my dad's an engineer. Um, and then my mom is a teacher and she studied art 
And so I think a, a big influence was in seeing the two of them and their kind of different personalities and approaches to the way that they did things and the way that they kind of um, inspired us to be creative. My dad was very like precision and technique. And my mom was more about the expression of that. And so it's kind of the the blend of practical and creative that really drew me to um, the to architecture. Um, and but as I um, started studying it and practicing it, um, I really wanted to reconnect with the people. Yeah. And, uh, and so where from yeah. once you sort of decided that you wanted to be an architect, um, where did you go to school? And, and when you went, when you decided to to uh, become an architect, was your plan to sort of become a traditional architect where you design and, uh, you know, create buildings and focus on that? Or was it right from the beginning that you were because you sort of focus now on on architects? that are not practicing yeah. traditional architecture. They're, 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 yeah. they're looking beyond that, sort of taking the skills as an architect, and which I love, you know, that's sort of, in, yeah. in, you know, it's, I get really excited about that conversation, which I'm, I'm looking forward to having right now. Uh, but, <laughs> but sort of, but what, what you know, tell, tell us about that from starting an architecture mm -hmm. school to where you are now. How did you get to where you are now from architecture school? Um, so I, I decided to study at Tulane University in New Orleans, um, and I grew up in California, so it was a very uh, different um, and distant place from where I had, you know, spent the first 18 years of my life, and it was an opportunity for me to really explore and grow in a in a new city around new people, um, kind of redefine who I am as a person um, during that, that time. And also just really, um, I guess, learn about a career path that I thought I would be pursuing. So um, I did, um, I guess the traditional architecture um, path was what I thought I would be pursuing. Um, but I also know that for me, I ask a lot of questions and I'm always trying to understand why do we do this? What does this mean? How can we do it better? What are the gaps? Um, and so I think um, I, I had part of me that wanted to kind of fulfill that path, which I did. And I did all my licensing and training after I graduated. Um, so I could really understand and empathize with the process of becoming an architect. But I still had this other part of me that wanted to just improve it and like improve how we're doing it and but also like reconnect it to who we are as people and why we choose to enter it in the first place. Um, and then also like reconnect it to the people that we're trying to impact and um, the people that are, are occupying and using the spaces that, that we design and create. So what kind of what kind of architecture did you practice while you before you became licensed? What what type of firms were you working with? Um, I was working mainly with small uh, firms that did residential and um, kind of urban uh, repurpose and regeneration. So were you still um, based in in New Orleans at that point? I did. Well, I was in New Orleans. Um, I worked with a firm there that's really really wonderful. They do really great work. 
Um, I then moved to New York and spent a year there working with a um, residential practice and then moved to San Francisco. And that's where I started to get into more of the um, commercial and um, like developer led projects, um, which it was fun to just scale up and really like see something that was much bigger and um, a lot more people were using. Um, but I still had this piece of me that um, I felt disconnected from the people. And when I'd walk around office um, spaces and office floors that we were going to be redesigning, I wanted to like talk to actual employees and like understand what was working for them and how we might be able to improve something going forward or make changes. Um, but that was never really in the scope. But that was always kind of a, a curiosity of mine. Um, deep down and now I know like there's you know programming and post-occupancy that people do <laughs> and people are kind of redefining how they're incorporating that connection um, to the process but at the time it wasn't really an option for me so um, when did that that idea or that feeling that you know you're designing architecture you're doing what you know you're trained to do uh, yeah and and something was missing when when did that become sort of conscious for you when when did that transition start where you know what I need to do or was there sort of this void for a while that you were just trying to figure out and then finally you connected to it so so how did that yeah. transition happen I think um, a big part of it was that I had always kind of done volunteering projects on the side and that was a way for me to connect back with people and feel like I was, you know, supporting other people that may not have the resources um, to, and may not, there's not, there wasn't that initial connection to um, my profession and my skills. Um, but that volunteer work was really fulfilling and to be able to just see the change and see people um, just become like more empowered and uh, more confident from what you're doing with them. Um, that led me to then take a course, a night course um, from Berkeley that I, where I met other people and it was called Architecture is Activism. And so that kind of showed me how to link those two and how to bring back the connection to people and to the people that you want to work with into your practice. Um, and so that kind of set me on the journey that I've been on um gosh for I don't know six years seven years now <laughs> and so that's what led you to to best. start focusing on social impact design yeah can, yeah. can you define yeah. what that is what's what specifically social impact design is yeah um so I um say that it is and the way that I define it is that it is uh working with marginalized um, or underserved communities and developing products or services that help them uh, create a, you know, a better living or a better environment for themselves. And that's all encompassing so, from a design point of view. It's architecture and products yeah. and systems and everything that, that goes along yeah. with it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so that, yeah. so that you, you were introduced to that at Berkeley, decided to you know, the bells went off, you know, yeah, clearly this is what I'm, I'm, I'm interested in. And so you started to pursue that and, uh, and started 
doing some work, you know, practicing social impact design, yeah. uh, and then started helping others. Started became you became an advocate for social impact design. Yeah. So talk about yeah. that a little bit. So so talk about uh, you know um, what type of work that you did, and then what that next level was where you said, okay, I want to want to teach other people how to do this. Yeah. So. Um, it started uh, where we were a group of about five or six people, and we were looking to work with other nonprofits or NGOs um, or charities that we could connect with and um, identify what, um, if there was an opportunity to help them improve their spaces or something, you know, that they needed. And through that, that kind of um, goes back to that programming question, like, what is it? that needs to be done, if anything. And so there's a lot of kind of upfront uh, discovery work um, that's really important, especially when you're working with nonprofits or charities that don't have a, a lot of money, um, that don't come like with a big budget or a big team that already knows what they're looking for. They just need somebody to help them kind of bring that to life. Um, so there's a lot of work beforehand and that, um, then through working with a, a team of people um, and a group that we're all architects, but we didn't really have business acumen um, or even organizational acumen um, that kind of set me on a path to look at like, how are other people actually doing this? And how are other firms that say that they do social impact or public interest design work? Um, how are they doing it? And that, there was one site, uh, John Kerry's site, that was documenting like events and news and stuff. But I wanted like more information. I wanted kind of the the details, and it's a lot of what Proactive Practice now has documented and is in and is sharing with people. Um, and so it's it's not only understanding how people were doing what they were doing, but how can we actually do what we want to do. Um, so and that's. That then led me just to kind of pursue filling the, the information and knowledge gap online um, through design effects, through interviewing and um, speaking with people and just trying to understand um, how they do what they do, why they do it, what they do, what you know their challenges are. Um, and then also running Impact Design Hub for almost three years um, and helping to just kind of build the dialogue. What is, what is uh, Impact Design Hub? Um, that is a site that um, is funded by the Autodesk Foundation, and um, it started as a curatorial news and event and job site, and it's now moved more into um, editorial and uh, more interviews with people that are practicing um, social impact, public interest, community-led design, so. I have, a, a, you know, in, in my community, and actually a lot of younger architects, you know, the generation that's coming up through, uh, through school and becoming uh, architects now, uh, many of them want to give back. They want to, they want, they see mm -hmm. this social need, they see the skills they have, um, and they want to use their skills to, to impact society in a positive way. And I see a lot of them sort of gravitating towards nonprofit. And, yeah. and, and, I, and when 
uh, a young architect comes to me and says, I want to start this nonprofit. I say, well, how are you going to fund that nonprofit? Because nonprofits yeah. need money. They don't, they don't run for free. They need funding. And so uh, sometimes yeah. nonprofits are funded by grants. Sometimes they're funded by donations. Uh, my recommendation is to build a business and then have that business fund the nonprofit. Um, what, what is your thought on that? And when you have somebody come to you and says, I want to, I want to make an impact. I want to, I want to change this problem. I see this problem. I have a solution for it. I'm going to start this nonprofit to make this, this problem happen, get solved. What is your advice for somebody like that? Um, well, I always like to advise people to start with a project don't start an organization until you have a project, you have a client, and you can validate the demand for what you're doing. Um, so it's, I think there's this, and I, I had the same eagerness and like, I need to, you know, build everything and I need to figure it all out and then I'll go find somebody that is ready for it. And that's kind of what, you know, some of the early projects that I did, that was what it was about. But in actuality, it's more about um, having that idea, but validating it before you do anything, before you create anything, before you print business cards or any of that. Just go out and talk to the actual people, identify those people, and then just get to know them and spend you know, 20, 30 minutes with them just asking them questions about what they do, why they do it, what have been their challenges, um, and then you can pitch something to them. And it's, it's kind of like the lean startup method. I was just, I was going, I was wait, <laughs> waiting for you to stop. Yeah. So I, I exactly, it's the exact thought I had um, is the lean startup. Yeah. If anybody doesn't know, it's yeah. a book called The Lean Startup. And it's about starting businesses, really. That's what the book is about. Yeah. But you can do it with anything, with any, any big project that you want to start, big organization you start with this little tiny piece. You start with a minimum yeah. viable, viable product and you test it. You know, instead of yeah. um, you know, going out and starting an entire organization, maybe you offer one little service and you pitch it yeah. to a small group of people and see if they are interested in that. And then if they are, then you can build on that and improve on it and then start building a, uh, a bigger organization through that. Uh, so that's yeah. very good advice. Um, yeah and then yeah see if it works and if it works then, yeah then grow it uh, it'll also yeah. give you the uh the credibility from from when you do go looking for funding to say look i have all these people who are interested in what yeah. we're looking to build because we've tested it and we know that it that it works rather than building that big organization and then finding out that people aren't interested in the way you have presented it yeah um, yeah because i think sometimes when you go down that route as well, you become so concerned with the funding that you kind of lose sight of who is it and do they actually even need what I want to offer in the first place. Um, and so it's finding that kind of middle ground between this is what I am very passionate and this is what I feel like is my purpose, but also like who is it that actually potentially needs that and then where can we kind of sit in between and find that that synergy to actually make it happen um, and that opportunity to make it happen. Yeah. And then from there, like grow it and see what comes about. <laughs> Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, FreshBooks, 
NCARB, and BQE software. You already know all about RCAT and their free BIM objects and their CAD details and their specifications and product information, all free, ready for you to use. Well, today I want to share something new from RCAT. It's called Charette. Charette is a tool for sharing and collaborating with your colleagues and clients online in real time. You can upload photos and files, share specs and product information directly from the RCAT database, as well as from other sources on the internet. I've been playing with Charette in beta for a while now, and it's really cool. And now it's available to you. I encourage you to go check it out. Visit RCAT online and click the Charette icon right there on the homepage. And like everything offered at RCAT, Charette is a free tool for us small firm architects too. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. 192 hours. You wish you had that much free time? That works out to about two business days every month. And when you're a small firm architect using FreshBooks cloud accounting software, that's the amount of administration time that you could save in 2017. That's time that you can spend doing the things you love, like being an architect. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team by project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. Visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks to access FreshBooks for free. And be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Do you know someone in your firm who's always dreamed of getting licensed, but was unable to complete the experience requirements? Well, maybe that person's you. Now you can get back on track with NCARB's new AXP portfolio. With this option, seasoned professionals can complete the Architectural Experience Program, the AXP, formerly known as the IDP, by submitting an online portfolio. Along with meeting your state's education and examination requirements, the portfolio will help you and your employees get one step closer to becoming a licensed architect. Learn more about NCARB's AXP portfolio at entrearchitect.com slash NCARB. One of the most often requested resources here at Entree Architect is project management software. How do we keep our projects and our people organized while we grow as entrepreneur architects? BQE Software, an AIA Advantage partner and the makers of ArchiOffice will show us how. ArchiOffice is the only office and project management software designed specifically for architects. It will help us manage people and projects and allow us to focus on designing great architecture. Whether you're working remotely or on site, ArchiOffice allows you to monitor the status of your projects and tasks and send out invoices in an accurate and timely manner. Entree Architect podcast listeners can get a fully functional 15-day trial of ArchiOffice today at entrearchitect.com slash BQE. So, RCAT, FreshBooks, NCARB, and BQE software, please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. And so, so you've, you've focused on social impact design, but you've, you've sort of evolved and have grown. You're 
that's still a big piece of what you're doing, um, but you've sort of grown bigger than that. Your ideas are really any architect that sort of wants to grow beyond that traditional practice that, you know, you, you have this idea to solve this problem or to start a new business that you can use your skills as an architect to go to go do something. Architects mm -hmm. that are pushing the boundaries of what traditional architecture is. Um, yeah. It, talk about that transition from, you know, what sort of you, you got involved in the social impact design. You started focusing on, on the business end of those kind of things, right? And sort of what inspired you to say, okay, I need to get, I need to focus on, on more than just this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a lot of it has just come about through conversations that I've had, um, with different architects and designers and understanding and also following, um, just business communities in general and how, um, we're all want to provide value for others. Like that's the essence of why we work and why we spend, you know, 40 plus hours a week doing this is because we do in some way want to contribute and see what we contribute valued. And that doesn't matter, you know, if you attach billions of dollars or no dollars to it, it's still that value and um, understanding what that value is that you give and who is ready and needs it. And so that's what's kind of brought me back to not, it's not only about social impact, but people that are, you know, people even like yourself, like you provide value for a certain group of people that are in need of that. And it is social impact as well. Yeah, yeah, um, and no it's doubt. what, you know, you define as social impact. And so, um, and a lot of people that I work with, the social part and that community part is one piece of it, but there's other things as well that drive them to do what they do. Um, so for me, it's now looking and helping people identify um, that the vision and the change that they want to see, um, what that means for their skills and their interests, but also the people that they want to work with. Um, and then also like how to kind of tie all that together and um so yeah it's not social impact is is very important and i think it's um it can come in a lot of different formats and it's up to the individual to decide how they want to make that um come about in whatever way that may, makes sense to them um so yeah, I don't know if that. Yeah, no, it absolutely <laughs> does. It, it, can uh, <laughs> can you give an example of of uh, of somebody doing that? Somebody you're working with, or or somebody that you're inspired by, of somebody that has that uh, idea to sort of push the boundaries and what the process was. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess I'll describe it without maybe giving the name just because I haven't gotten their permission. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, you could just, you could just be generic about what it is and, and who it is, but, but sort of talk yeah. about if, if, if somebody who's listening, uh, wants to do that, has this idea, you know, this is some yeah. big idea. They want to change some big problem in society and they have a solution for it, but they don't know how to, how to start. How does somebody yeah. start? And then where can they, what, what can they do after they start? What's that process like? Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Um, I guess one of the clients that I'm working with um, has uh, has done, well, she actually hasn't done um, a lot of traditional architecture. She's worked in architecture practices, but she has community engagement, um, a lot of experience in um, just interviewing people, researching, um, uh, just going out to different communities. She's like a very natural connector and a natural storyteller. Um, and she is looking at how to apply um, her experience and her interests um, beyond just architecture firms, because that's where she's been for a while. So what we're looking and what we're working on is kind of identifying and defining that five-year vision for her and kind of going through like, what does it look like? What are you doing? Who are you surrounded by? Where are you working? What what is that like? What is the day to day? But also like, where do you find the fulfillment and the joy through, and the purpose through what you're doing? And then like coming back to today, and where she is, like who are the people that are kind of doing something similar to you, so that you get to um, get to know them and just it's a quick like information interview with them and just asking them about what what they do for work. What does their day-to-day look like? What are their challenges? Um, and so she's looking at a range of different people, like an anthropologist, a like BBC radio host that focuses on on stories. Um, so it, it's looking at like all these different kind of careers that I don't think most architects would maybe even <laughs> consider, um, especially when you enter when you're 18 years old. You know, you think I would probably have to. Like what I need to do is own my own practice, and you know she's kind of blowing all of the walls off of that and saying, like, who is talking, doing, like representing in some ways. And so um, after doing those conversations, then it's like picking um, the components that really resonate with her and crafting that um, that vision around herself of like what are potential opportunities for me to embody this and actually start to do it. And then who is actually looking for it as well. So it's not only identifying like what you're really good at, but it's also identifying who are the people that are in need of what you do. What do they look like? What are they looking for? And uh, beginning to communicate that and putting language to it as well um, so that she can um, reach out to them and start to make the connections with them. So, so you're, so, so you, you, um, you start with visiting, right? So you start with your vision, uh, yeah. figure out what your life would look like five years from now, what that, that big idea might look like five years from now and come back to where you are today, do some research, connect with people who you think might sort of get you in that direction and focusing on people outside of where your comfort zone is basically, right? Look at yeah. look at influencers yeah. and 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 other organizations, other leaders doing things that are similar, but maybe in other other industries, reaching out to them and yeah. actually having conversations with them. Is that what they're doing? You're, yeah, you're actually yeah. connecting yeah. with those people, which do two things. You know, you you obviously learn a lot, but you're also building a yeah. really powerful network uh, that could help you grow your platform. And then yeah. then you start figuring out what that platform is. Right, that's what you said. Yeah. So you sort of. And so sometimes that platform might be online. Sometimes that platform might be 
speaking. Sometimes that platform might mm -hmm. be writing a book, um, could be building yeah. a, a physical business in a city, uh, could be starting yeah. a nonprofit organization that does, you know, uh, you know, touch people in a very, you know, very specific way. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we're at that phase right now where it's looking at like, what is it? What are those opportunities that she wants to pursue? Yeah. Um, and what are the different avenues? Um, I can see but that would through be that, very interesting and exciting at yeah. that moment. So it she is. has, yeah, so she has her vision defined. She has her information fixed. So now, so what? How are you doing that? Are you doing that sort of as a brainstorm and say these are all the different ways that we can approach this, and then sort of narrow your way back down, or is or are specifics jumping out at you right away? And this is the best way to to approach it. Yeah, I think so. We're we're going to be doing that session very soon. So, um, I, yeah, we'll see yeah. <laughs> what that what it turns into. Um, but I think it for me, it's like always going back to that vision of where you want to be, and what, and you never quite know if it if it is the right path. But I think there's always that kind of gut feeling of. It's not only like where I can grow and where I can develop what I want to do, but it's also people around me that are going to support me and help me get there. So that's the other, um, you know, a really important piece that um, I think sometimes when we just look at a role or if we see something or, you know, we know of an organization and we just want to be there, but it's also like following who are the people that are going to be around you every day and is that like the the environment and the space that's going to help you get to where you want to go um not only you know you trying to fit in with them but there has to be you know a mutual um support and um i guess like empowerment of each other do you have advice on on building a team i mean every every Ooh. big idea <laughs> i know this is going to get into a deep conversation here because the the you know, if, if you've done all that work and you and you and you really want to make a big difference, like with Entree Architect, I want to change the world through architects, but small individual architects building better businesses impacts profession. The profession goes out and changes the world. That's how I look at this. It's a big, big, yeah. big thing, way bigger than me, but it's still mostly me. I have some some support staff, I have freelancers, I have some support, but it needs to be much bigger than me to get to where I want it to go. Yeah. So so what are some of those first steps on building that team? Because if you have this big idea, you know, no great success happens in isolated. It has to happen with yeah. a team. You can't do it by yourself. So what's, yeah. what are some of the steps to get to that team that can actually make that impact? Um, that's a really good question. It's something I haven't worked directly with people on, um, like advise them on. Um, I guess I've done it. Uh, somewhat with Impact Design Hub and with even um, the past business that I did with a, a colleague of mine. And um, and I feel like it's probably the advice that a lot of people give, but it's really um, understanding where you want to focus and what you want to do and where your skills and your personality and like the assets that you have, how you want to drive your energy towards that and then what you need to balance or complement or supplement that that you want to work on. Right. Um, and so um, one way that 
is uh, that we that I used in the past is um, actually using personality tests, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous, but I you know find a lot of insight through them. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. um, we've talked yeah, about so that before on the podcast. We've talked oh, about yeah? uh, uh, strength finders. We've talked about. Um, mm-hmm. we've, we've talked some about some of the other ideas as well. So, yeah. so how, yeah. how would you use that? How would you use one of those uh, personality tests? Um, so sort of- there's a few, I guess one um, is the uh, ID, which is, um, I think it's Linksys. I'll have to, I can send you the, the link after. Um, but that really talks about like where you get the most fulfillment out of your work. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what really drives you and that's, it's instinctive drives, that's it. Um, and so that, um, I think that one really helps in, uh, understanding where people should be focused, um, and where to focus their, their, um, their efforts in a business. So for instance, I was working with, um, a friend and she was very like ideas, creation, like she's great in brainstorms and getting like people really excited and that was definitely her strength and that's where she got the most energy out of what she did and mine is i'm the completer and so i really enjoy like creating the plan figuring out and figuring like let's get us there like keep that vision and let's like drive us to that so that we we can fulfill this and so that's like how we kind of separated so we looked at what were the the tasks that we needed to do for the business and how can we each kind of um, pair them with our with our own drives and our, the things that we got the most energy from? Yeah. So, so, so. you need to know your strengths. You need to know mm-hmm. your passion, your purpose, and then yep. figure out what you don't have, what your weaknesses are, what you're not interested in, but but are required yeah. to be successful, and to find people compatible with those strengths, uh, and and build a team around that, and and certainly. Yeah. You know what's I think passion and purpose are really important pieces to that 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 you find people who are passionate about your mission uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and understand your purpose and have similar purpose uh, yeah really important um, pieces and that's not easy it's and I could tell no. you firsthand that's building that team is very very difficult I mean delegation yeah. to begin with for architects because we're so focused on control is difficult to begin with but then, you know, building that team to to create even just a regular, you know, traditional practice or mm-hmm. reaching out to these big ideas, um, building that team and getting the right people in the right seats uh, is a really yeah. difficult piece of, uh, of what we're all doing here. Um, so yeah. w- so yeah. what, what's sort of um, the next step for Katie Cropo? What's your 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 <laughs> future look like? Where where are you moving to now? How, how does this uh as this grow to the next step? Yeah, so um, I've been really enjoying the, the one-on-one consulting and working with um, architects, but similar to yourself, like I really want to help architects reconnect to why they enter the pr- profession, find, like bring back that joy and the creativity um, back into their work and have them um, really determine what that value is for themselves, not what, you know, the profession says that is the value and find the clients and um, build like the products and services to really um, meet those clients and meet the, the fulfillment that, you know, we all want through the, 
the profession in the field. Um, so uh, I'm looking at and kind of developing a online program to help people um, define their vision, like really craft that vision and um, find the, like, I guess the, the resources or the tools and kind of like the follow-up um, support for them to make it happen and to not have to wait until you're retired or, <laughs> you know, something else comes along that allows you to do it. Um, so, yeah, that's what um, I would love. I, I am going to continue doing that, yeah. what yeah, I really yeah, want the, to see. Um, as soon as you started saying that you're look, you know, that you're, you want to work with people who want to sort of get back to the purpose and the reason they started in the first place, I heard in the back of our our audience here a thousand architects with a <laughs> big exhale and say, "Yeah, that's me," you know, yeah. I because I, I know that they, you know, there are many of us that that are that have gone through the process and have taken that journey and have found themselves in a place that they didn't really expect to be and yeah. frankly they don't want to be um yeah that they have different idea of what they want to do and then that's what you do you help those people find their yeah. purpose reconnect with their passion and and build a new career and a new life and so is there yeah. is there a place where these people can go to connect with you and reach out to you to to maybe get some help in, in doing that yeah Yep. Yeah. So, um, at design effects, um, right now that's where it's going to, um, be living, but I will be transitioning over to my own website. Um, but I can actually, I'll just direct you or share the, the link to the direct page, um, for that to sign up to and either talk to me um, about one-on-one -on -one, potential one-on-one -on -one support or, um, the group program as well, but is, in development right now so okay. so so when you <laughs> have that you could you could send people. that out I'll, i'm happy to uh share it with all of my community and uh we'll, yeah. put, it, we'll put it on the show notes this is episode 166 uh so okay. uh entrearchitect.com slash episode 166 will get uh listeners to the show notes uh so cool. whenever it's ready you can send it to us and we will uh put it on yeah. that page uh design effects it's a f f ECTS, so designeffects.com. Um, and before we go, uh, Katie, I want to I want to ask you the question that I ask all my guests: um, What is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Ooh, um, so right now I'm reading Essentialism. Oh, that's a good um, one. One of my favorites. I know. <laughs> um, and that's um, I don't know. I think. I would challenge people, especially people that like to write to-do lists, to cross something out that is not needed. It's not going to add to your business. It's not going to add to what you're doing. Just cross it off and don't do it. <laughs> that is a great answer to that question. So so go through your, your to-do list of all the things that are, you think are important to you and cross one off. Yeah. Very, very good. Very good. The least important one and yeah. give it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Essentialism is the book. Uh, Greg McCowan, M-C-K-E-O-W-N. Uh, we've mm -hmm. talked about it before here. Uh, I share it all the time on social media. One of my favorites, Essentialism and The One Thing are my two uh, sort of get focused books. Uh, ah, love it. Oh, cool. Uh, I got the other one. Yeah. Gary Keller. Uh, he's the okay. founder of... Um, uh, 
uh, Keller Williams, uh, real estate. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's uh, that's a great book, The One Thing, uh, and essentialism. Is, essentialism is sort of you know focusing on the things that are most important to you and really just the most essential things. And the one thing is, what is the one thing you should be doing today that will get you to where you want to go tomorrow? And that's what you should yeah. be focused on. Um, yeah. So great answer. Love that. So, so Katie, thank you very much for spending some time with us here today and for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. If you liked what we shared here today, complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 166. And I want you to share that link. I want you to share that link with somebody, just one person. Think of one person that you think might benefit from what we shared today and send them that link, entrearchitect.com slash episode 166. I'd, I'd appreciate that. And I am so excited about this new Entree Architect Academy. I want you to go check this out. I think that you're going to love what we are now offering. We've redesigned that private online membership program to better suit your needs. We, we listen to what you want, and now you can customize your membership to better work with your schedule and your budget. You can get all of our resources, our hybrid proposal, our foundations documents, all our digital courses, our masterclass expert webinars, all of the recordings, and have access to the live, re, uh, the live webinars, and have access to our powerful small group masterminds. That's the piece that people talk about. That's the thing that's changing lives, our small group masterminds. You can now get these at in different levels, all at lower costs. So join your fellow entrepreneur architects today. Learn more right there on the homepage at entrearchitect.com. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you I really do. I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening and have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges. 
demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.